If you will, turn with me, open up your Bibles right now with me to the book of James. The book of James. James chapter 1. This is a kind of a subject and a book I've been wanting to preach on for a long time. And as we start this new year, I uh, just kind of felt led to go in this direction. I'm calling it, Just Do It. Someone ought to coin, and f- coin that phrase sometime. Maybe they'll make some money off of it, right? But just do it. And we're going to look at the gospel according to James. And I pray that as we go into this year, 2019, that we will have an attitude of not just thinking about it, wondering about it, but doing something about it. Amen? And uh, being people of action. In fact, throughout the book of James, you'll notice that he's all about faith without action is dead. If you want to know the quality of your faith, look at the quality of your works. Uh, we We don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we are saved. In fact, the Bible says that God has prepared for us good works. Even today as I speak, before you leave this house today, God has already prepared good works for you throughout this day. He's already set up. He's like, hey, I've set this up for them. I hope they take it. I hope, almost like a Christmas gift. I hope they unwrap this gift today. I hope they unwrap this opportunity, this uh, privilege, this honor, this uh, chance uh, to, to be blessed. And so I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 this morning. I'm really going to try to tackle the chapter, as, and we're going to hit some highlights here today on the chapter, but we're calling it Just Do It. In fact, today, you know, being the series, but today's message, I'm calling it Lacking Nothing or Nothing Lacking. And so read along with me. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, chapters 1, verse 1 through 4. It says, Greetings, my name is Jacob, which is another name for James. I am a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to all the 12 tribes of Israel who have been sown, or another version may say dispersed, in other words, scattered as seeds among the nations. How many of you know that God has placed you, has sown you right where you're at? My fellow believers, when it it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, See it as an, an, an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Say that with me, nothing lacking. It literally is the image of a gymnast who's been preparing for the Olympics and they're working out every part of their body and every limb is strong and every limb is, is, is uh, uh, healthy. And so God is wanting us, you know, in our walk with God to be lacking nothing. And so when you look at the book of Acts, I'm going to refer to Acts here for just a moment. Um, someone said it, I've heard it said this way a couple times. If you want to experience book of Acts results, you must be willing to demonstrate Book of Acts obedience. If you want to see Book of Acts results in your life, you must be willing to take steps of Book of Acts obedience. In other words, you not only hear what God is saying, but you do it. You just do it. Tell your neighbor, just do it. Turn to your other neighbor, just do it. Just do it already. 
Stop talking about it. Stop dreaming about it. Just do it already. Amen? And so if we're going to experience the signs and the wonders and the ability to see lives change and even to see our city saved, I mean, what is our vision here at Hermes Assembly? It is, we exist to make Jesus famous in our city one person at a time. That's why we exist. If we were to shut our doors today, would the city notice it? If not, then we have a problem. Because our ambition is this. We exist for this very reason, and it's to make him famous. Amen? And so as I kick off this series, I'm using this phrase, just do it. You may remember back in 1988, there was a company that was already doing or $877 million in business. And then he came out with this phrase, three simple words, just do it. And in no time, their business went from $877 million to $9.2 billion. Why? Why would three little words cause them to jump in their, in their, in their value, jump in their equity? In this phrase, just do it, you know, it requires no explanation. It, it's understood. That's why I feel like that even our I Love My City movement right now in our city is that it just, it just says, I love my city. No explanation is needed. It's just in and of itself, it's understood that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to love somebody, to uh, help somebody, and to show somebody Jesus. And so the same is true when it comes to this idea of just doing it. But yet, in, why do you think it struck such a chord? Why do you think it uh, caught everybody's attention? Um, because I think it addresses a common issue in our lives. And I think part of this issue could be procrastination, based on fear, based on maybe shame, based on maybe condemnation, saying, well, I'm not qualified for that, or I'm not ready for that, or, you know, you have a good idea, and you, and, and you want to act on it, but then you think, well, maybe tomorrow, you know, maybe next week, maybe in a month, maybe when I'm, I'm, I'm more qualified. So I hear it from a lot of Christians when it comes to doing things for God. There's always this question, yeah, but am I qualified? Uh, am, I, am I really ready for this? But in the Bible, or in the Word of God, it's in the doing of acts of faith that God makes you qualified. In fact, the first act of faith you took was that moment that you said, Jesus, I need you. I accept you. Please forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. At that moment, he forgave you. He, he washed you free of all sin. He, he broke the power and authority of the enemy over your life. And at that moment, you became qualified as a son and a daughter of God. We're all sons and daughters. We're all part of his family. But yet we have these, there's these obstacles that, that hold us up, that we, 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 don't, uh, we don't move forward on them. You know, uh, and it's not just, think about this, it's not just goals or work or career, but just simple things. I'll talk to the men here for a second because I are one, right? But, you know, we men think a lot of good things about our wives that we don't verbalize. Come on, guys, I'm helping you out here. <laughs> if only good intentions were enough. 
I like that, that one, that one, uh, that one uh, commercial, I haven't seen it on for a while, but there was this one commercial where the husband and wife are sitting in the kitchen, she's over the counter, and he's at the kitchen table, and she says, uh, by the way, did you remember it's my birthday? And, and he said, yes. And, uh, and he said, she said, well, did you think about it? And he said, yes. And, uh, and then she smiles as though that was all that she needed. And then the next commercial, the next part of it comes up, you know, flower shop. If only good intentions were enough. You know, in other words, that we think things about other people that are good things, and yet we fail to, ver- even to just to simply, you know, I'm, I, you know, in many ways make a living by talking. Isn't that great? And yet I fail oftentimes to communicate even to those around me, hey, thank you, or I love you. Or I appreciate that. Does that make sense? Uh, we need to go from just thinking good things to doing them. Amen? Uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, this is a word that God really uh, impressed on my heart a couple, several years ago, actually. But I, used to, I would read it out of the New King James Version. Then I picked up an NIV version. And, it, and, and this one change of one word just hit me in the heart. This is a life verse for me. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, some translations say acknowledge him. When I happen to read this one day, it, the word says here, in all your ways, submit to him or obey him and he will make your paths straight. Amen. It's in the act of obedience. It's not just acknowledging him and say, oh God, that's a good, that's a good idea. That's a good thought. Thank you for that. But rather, and it was a time where I had to make a choice on something. God had been dealing with me for a long time on acting on something. And, and one day I felt the Lord impress me. Hey, just go. I want, I want to talk to you for a minute. Go find a place to pray. Pick up a Bible. And I flipped open. I just happened to flip open that scripture as a go-to verse. And I read it out of this particular version. And rather than just the idea of acknowledgement, it says obey. In other words, do it. And that day, I acted on it. And within 24 hours, I began to see a response to my actions. And what was my actions? They were, it was an act of faith, an act of trusting God, an act of believing him. And so in this room, think about it, in this room, there are sitting among us unwritten books, businesses that have yet to be launched, Ventures that have yet to be taken, ministries that have yet to be yet to be experienced. Again, the moment you were born again, you became a representative of Jesus Christ. The moment you became born again, He qualified you to be a spokesperson, to be a tool, to be a vessel, to be useful for Him. And yet, in this room, there are so many unrealized dreams and visions and promises. And so as we go into this year 2019, there may be things that you've been sitting on for a while. I pray that for 2019, that it would be the year of just doing it. No more thinking about it, no more pondering it, no more saying, well, it's in the Lord's timing, you know, I'll wait and see. You know, so often, it's really God waiting on us. He's saying, I've given you the word, I've given you the promise, now act on it. Put your confidence in it. Step out and step in to what I have for you. And so as we go into this, 
I have three simple points this morning. Number one, God's goodness is greater than your challenge. God's goodness is greater than your challenge. We see here that uh, in verse 2 it says, My fellow brothers, when it seems as though you were facing nothing but difficulties, see that it is invaluable, an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. This joy is not a product of the challenge. This joy is a product of your faith in the challenge. Does that make sense? Every challenge is going to be different, but it's the, it's the faith that is in you. It's that relationship in you. As a son, as a daughter, um, we need to learn just to rest and trust in our Father. Amen? And, and when he speaks or when he gives a direction, to act on it. And, and so I talked about procrastination. I talked about fear. I talked about shame. Shame tells you who you're not while Jesus tells you who you are. All these are the reasons why we don't do it. All these are the reasons why we don't step out. And yet God says, if you will step out, even when you have obstacles, he says, I will give you joy. Not because of the obstacle, but rather because you took the step of faith. Does that make sense? It is in that act of faith that God says, I'm going to provide for you joy. It's that joy. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Remember when I said earlier about the gymnast? He says, you'll lack nothing. That gymnast has been working out. They've been taking risks. They've been, uh, they've been uh, you know, doing everything that they feel like to get themselves in the right condition to compete. And so when you, have, when you act in faith, God says, I will give you joy. I will give you complete joy, all joy. He's, it's such joy that it's not mixed with fear, trepidation, tears. But he says, I'm going to give you joy that is your strength. Every time you take a step of faith, all of a sudden you feel this renewed strength in your life. When a temptation arises, the temptation itself is not the sin. It's when you act on it. But when the temptation arises and you say, I choose Jesus... I choose the love of the Father. I choose a loving God, a good God. His goodness is greater than this. Because of his goodness, it causes me to run to him, rather run into the temptation. And so as a result, he gives you strength. We ought to be as believers growing stronger every day. That's why Paul says, even though on the outside I might be growing old, but yet inside I am as strong as in my youth. Inside I am growing. Inside I am vibrant. Inside I am uh, I'm experiencing renewed strength all the time. Amen? Can you believe that you can experience his joy all the time? It's not just when you get a raise in your paycheck, or it's not just when you get that bonus, or when you get that job. Joy is not based on those circumstances. Joy is based on your relationship with Jesus. It's your faith. It's your trust in him. Amen? Then it goes on to verse 5. This is another resource God. You know, he rewards faith with joy, but he also says, you can ask me for wisdom. Verse 5, and if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Isn't that powerful? 
He will over, because this is the idea. He doesn't, it says, if you lack wisdom, just ask. And he's not going to shame you for it. How many times have you felt to yourself, man, I am so stupid. I am so dumb. Why would God even use me? But that's not how God sees you. He overwhelms you. He, he says he will give it to you without limitation. He doesn't give it to you with the idea that he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, you owe me. It says he gives it without reproach. He doesn't condemn you in it. He's like, do I have to tell you again? Do I have to show you something? Yeah. No. He, as a loving father, he's like, listen, I will give you everything you need because you're mine and I am yours. He doesn't give it to you with strings attached per se. He doesn't give it to you saying, well, you owe me. You know, how many times do we make deals with God? Oh God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. But that's not how God operates. He says, just ask me. And without reproach, meaning I won't throw it in your face. I won't make you feel bad about the idea. Even if you've come to me a hundred times, he's like, I'll still, I'm still here to offer it to you. I'm not going to say you owe me. I'm giving it to you with an open hand. And as a result, we look down in, into verse 6 uh, itself. It, it basically tells us that this kind of faith does not doubt. Why? Because we are sons and daughters of God. In other words, there should be no more internal struggle as to whether God, our Father, intends to meet our every need. Every time you commit an act of faith, you're discovering who God is. You're realizing again, yes, Lord, I am your son. I am your daughter. I'm not a, I'm not a servant in the sense that I'm just trying to obey the rules, but rather I'm a son uh, because of my relationship with you. I'm a daughter. I'm doing it out of my intimacy with you. Amen? It warns against faith that wavers. When faith wavers, it's because of our lack of understanding of who we are in Christ. And so God says here, not only will I reward your faith with joy, but if you ask me for wisdom for a situation, if you ask me for wisdom for a, a challenge or a test or a, a period of trying, he says, I'm going to give it to you with an open hand. It's here freely. Just ask me. But you may say, even verse 9, James addresses it. He says, the believer who is poor still has reasons to boast, for he has been placed on high. In other words, you may say, but Lord, I'm too poor. I don't have the resources. It doesn't matter what your financial status is. God, will, God treats you just the same. You can't use poverty as an excuse for why you can't do God's will. God may say, you know what? I want you to take a step of faith here. I want you to believe me in this situation, believe me in this area. But Lord, I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. I don't have the capacity. You know, how do I accomplish this? God says, you know what? Being, you may, you may look at yourself as physically poor, but that's not how God operates. Uh, he, can take, he can take nothing and make something out of it. Uh, it's, a matter, it's more of a matter of us just taking him his, at his word. Amen? And part of the reward of it is this, verse 12, that the reward of facing these trials of faith or that we go through by faith, uh, there's that continuous joy, but also there's that promise of eternal life. 
he uses the word here, crown of life. In other words, that not only do we see God blessing us here now, but we have that promise that there's a crown of life awaiting us. In other words, that, that hope, that, that hope of eternity. We were, I was meeting with the, with the four people this morning that got baptized, and we were talking about heaven. And, and like Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, meaning that we're already, when you think about it, we're already living in eternity. When we pass from this life to the next, we'll be continuing on in eternity. But the eternity we have looking forward to is that eternal life with Jesus. And he calls it a crown of life. And that joy that we can have in that. Amen? We have external trials, but we also have internal trials. Verse 13, if you go down there, if you're following with me, it basically, this is my next point. God is not the source of evil, but the source of every good and perfect gift. Some people think, well, God's putting me through this, or God is tempting me here, or God is setting me up. How many of you know that God does not set us up for failure? He is not the source of temptation. He is, uh, in fact, the Bible says in verse 15 that we are drawn away by our own desires. But you have to be reminded as a son and daughter that when you became born again, that you no longer are living under the power of the world or the enemy, that the only strength he has in your life is what you give him. It's when you, it's when a desire comes up or a thought comes up and you follow it. Anything that is contrary to the, to the knowledge of God or to who God is, is sin. It's temptation that leads into sin. And the Bible says sin turns into death, spiritual death. And so Paul, James is saying here, when it comes to, there's the external trial, then there's the internal trials. There's that trial of temptation. But he says here, I'm not the one who tempts you. I'm not the one who, uh, who sets you up for temptation. But rather, he says, but I am the father of lights. In other words, that in Christ, there are no cloudy days. There are no gloomy days, meaning that, that, that there's no, the Bible even says there's no shadow of turning in him. He is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forevermore. And then my third point is this. True religion is both the hearer and the doer of his word. The hearer and the doer of his word. Look at verse 19 with me. It says, my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose in your life. Amen? Out of genuine relationship with God, this is the outcome of it. In other words, genuine faith. This is part of the just doing it. This is part of our response. Number one, we're quicker to listen. We're quicker to hear. To hear what? What God's word says. In other words, in whatever situation. See, this is the thing. Oftentimes our go-to is our life experiences and our own opinions. And we try to somehow take our life and, 
and we, we take the word of God and try to fit it in our life. We try to use the word of God to explain what we're going through rather than letting, the, and rather than letting our lives fit into the scripture. We try to, uh, in other words, our lives should conform to, the, to what God says, this is my experience for you, not vice versa. Uh, we live more by our opinions and by what other people say, and God says, listen here. He goes, if you will just uh, do these acts of faith, number one, you'll be quicker to listen. In other words, to hear what I have to say. Secondly, you'll be slow to speak. When we stand before God, our opinions won't matter. But God, this is what my dad said, or what my friend said. All that matters is what God says about you. Amen? Don't let man shame you into something. Don't let the enemy deceive you. In fact, by not being a doer of the word, the Bible says that we deceive ourselves. We're swift to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to wrath. Think about it this way. Sin does not produce God's righteousness. Rather, it's acts of faith that produce righteousness. Amen? That's why he says, look at verse 22. It goes on to say, if I can find my place here, with a sense of spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not, and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled in your life. You know, every... I'm sure most everybody stood in front of a mirror this morning, right? In other words, we all know what it looks we all know what it looks like to look into a natural mirror. God is saying if you're just uh, if you're just hearing the word only, that it's like just taking a look at the mirror, primping the hair, getting the food off your lips and walking away. You know what? A mirror can only reveal what's on the outside. But he says, but if you will intently gaze into the mirror of God's word, it means take your time. It means stay a while. It means uh, you're, not, you're not looking for the opinion of man or the world. You're not, you're not listening to those voices, but rather you're saying, God, I'm gazing into your mirror. I'm gazing into the word. I, I'm, I'm here to, in fact, I love the way verse 24 says, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. If you want to know how God sees you, look in the mirror of God's word. If you want to look at how the world sees you, and turn on the radio or watch the TV or the social medias, if you're just gazing at that, you're going to see what the world says about you. You got to be this tall. You got to be this skinny. You got to be, you got to dress this way. You've got to say these things. That's what the mirror of the world looks like. That's what our flesh wants to tell us, or what the flesh wants to. But rather, God says here, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of His Word. Amen. It says it, but then you go and forget your divine origin. Every time you read God's Word, you're reminded of who you are. You're reminded that you're a creation of God, 
beautifully made. Amen? That you're a special individual in the eyes of God. You're one of his sons. You're one of his daughters. Verse 23, but those who set their gaze deeply into the fierce law of liberty are fascinated and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. In that, I'm reminded, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The writer even says, when I look at the law, in other words, just the rules, just trying to meet a qualification, it brings death. But when I look to Jesus, it brings life. When I gaze, in fact, you're gonna, when you open up God's word, you're going to see two images. Number one, you're going to see yourself, and you're going to see Jesus. In fact, in the morning, maybe tomorrow morning, when you get up for work, when, you get, when you're getting ready and you're putting on that eyeliner, or when you're brushing your teeth or taking a shave, you, when you look in the mirror, you ought to say, I see you, Jesus. He ought to be look, you ought to be looking at him and him looking at you. Amen? And so we need to be both hearers and doers. A hearer only, you're just deceiving yourself. You're just shallow. You don't understand who God is. But if you will gaze into the mirror of God's word, as I go back to the title, you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. You'll gain a greater appreciation for his love, appreciation for how he's made you and what he's made you for, a greater appreciation for him. You'll see the image of Jesus. And so I challenge you, church, I'm being challenged, as we look into 2019, may this be the year that we're going to just do it. May this be the time when we're not going to just think about it or pray about it, per se. How many times, uh, how many times do people say, well, I'm just praying about it? There's a time to pray and there's a time to act. And I believe that, that in many cases, we need to begin acting. We've already gotten a word from the Lord. We've already gotten a sense of direction for our lives. We need to act on that direction. We just need to do it. Amen?